At the time of Jesus' birth, 30 years had passed since Octavian, later Augustus, consolidated his rule over Rome. 30 years since war had threatened the imperial populace. No civil unrest, no dramatic crossing of the Rubicon like Julius Caesar did, no major foreign power threatened. Across the empire, there was relative peace and prosperity. Well, for some people anyway, for the important people. Life among everyone else, the hoi polloi was quite different. Caesar's peace was enforced at the end of a sword. You would only need to ask the citizens of Sepphoris, a city a few miles from Nazareth. When they rebelled, the regional governor destroyed the city and enslaved the population. The best that an average person could hope for was that the Romans would tax them, but otherwise leave them alone. And tax they did. Luke sets Jesus' birth in the midst of bureaucratic red tape. Joseph, being of David's line, is required to travel to Bethlehem to be registered on the tax rolls. An 85-mile journey for a pregnant woman and her betrothed through hilly country. This does two things. First, Caesar, of course, will know who to tax. Second, this is a great opportunity for Caesar, the regional powers, to remind the people who's boss. The humiliation is great for a man like Joseph, being of an ancient royal line like David's. To all appearances, that line has been ground to dust. A man escorting his would-be, his wife-to-be, pregnant with not his child, to be reminded by the Romans of his subservience. Humiliation continues in Bethlehem. Contrary to every Christmas pageant ever written, Joseph and Mary don't seek room in an inn, but among relatives. They're looking for a, a guest room. However, the guest room is full, probably with other relatives. So they have to seek shelter in the room for animals. No privacy, no place for safety, no place for no clean place for Mary to deliver her baby, no sweet sentimentalized nativity scene here. In a sparse verse and a half, Luke just gives it's just very matter of fact, but you can just imagine it. Mary gives birth to the Lord of the universe among muck and manure. No distinguished guests here. All the nativity scenes, it looks like everybody was there. But it's just an extended family of, an, of a decrepit royal line. And who hears this news? Who's privileged enough to hear of the birth of the baby king? Word doesn't come to the high priest or the great religious teachers. It doesn't come to Herod or Quirinius. It certainly doesn't come to Caesar. Word comes to the most working class of working class people, shepherds. Shepherds were kind of like long haul truck drivers. Hear me out on this. They spent long hours away from their families. They had to keep watch in all kinds of weather. And their work was done by everyday people. 
While King David himself had been a shepherd, shepherding was the boilerplate example of, of a common work in the Old Testament. The heavenly army brings its declaration of peace, not to the big deals of the world, not to the Herods and the Caesars, but to ordinary people going about their ordinary lives. In 2012, historian David McCullough made waves when he told a graduating high school class, you are not special. You are not exceptional. The sweetest joys come only with the recognition that you are not special, because everyone is. The knowledge that we all share a common humanity ought to be comforting for us. We're all made from dust, and we all return to dust. And while God indeed calls us by name at our baptism, we remain just like everyone else. And for people, common, ordinary people like you and me, the Christ took on our common humanity. Christ, our Savior, our Lord, and our God became dust. That's the radical proclamation at the heart of the Christmas story, especially in a time like this one where we are so fractured, so divisive. When some people consider other groups of people as less than, as unworthy. When the growing conclusion among some is that we can't have liberty and justice for all, but only for certain people. We are all the hoi polloi. We are all dust. We're all common. And Christ became incarnate among people like us, not so that we would transcend our humanity, but to make us more fully human. Christ didn't descend so that we could escape the world, but that we would more, live more fully among God's redeemed creation so that we would be children of the Most High, as Jesus will later say in his Sermon on the Plain. Such people don't insist on peace through coercion or threats or violence like Caesar does. Such people strive to live out Christ's peace in how they love. Such people embrace their humanity. Such people know that they are no better than anyone else. No better than, say, a young woman pregnant out of wedlock. Such a woman becomes the mother of our Lord. No, no better than, say, a man who cares for a child he knows is not his. Such a man is privileged to be our Lord's guardian. And no better than people who do ordinary work to provide goods and services we all need. Such people became the first to hear the good news of Christ's birth. The point can't be clearer. For common people, Christ Jesus himself became common. And in sharing our common humanity, we share in his sonship. In him, we are all daughters, sons, children of the living God forever. Thanks be to God. Amen.